Hi, I'm Ewan Blakey, Senior Pastor of Oasis Church. I hope this message gives you hope and helps you take your next step on your Christian journey. We'd love to invite you to come and see us in person at 10 a.m. on Sundays or join us live every Sunday on YouTube. For more info, visit our website, oasischurchperth.com. Well, we're going to jump right in tonight. I've got some good fun props here. It's going to be a fun night. Um, Jesus Christ, the light of the world, who came to us at Christmas time. But before I talk to you more about Jesus Christ, the light of the world, I'm going to quickly frame up my message tonight by giving you a very quick, brief history lesson, starting in the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis is the very first book in the whole Bible, the account of the creation story. And the very first three verses in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, tell us this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters and God said, let there be light and there was light. Now I want you to notice here that the sun and the moon and the stars aren't even created at this point. That doesn't happen until day four. So what is this light that we see from the very beginning? You know, some scholars actually believe that the light was a manifestation of Christ's glory before he even came to the earth on Christmas Day. After God did all of this creating... Adam and Eve, it says they existed in the garden, they lived in the light and the presence of God's glory and they enjoyed fellowship with him face to face in the garden. Well, that was until the fateful day when God said, you can have anything in this whole garden, anything you want, you can have apples, oranges, but just don't eat the durian fruit. <laughs> just don't eat that one. If you eat that one, you'll smell for days. No, if you eat that one, you will die. And what did they do? They ate it. They ate the fruit and darkness descended upon the earth. Cue, guys. Darkness. <laughs> darkness. Darkness descended upon the earth. Okay, I'm just going to light as a candle so that we can all see. Because, you know, it's 6.30 and it's still light outside. How glorious is summer? Can you see now? Yeah. I thought so. Darkness descended on the earth. And even though Adam and Eve made a terrible choice, their terrible choice impacted humanity for 4,000 years, God had a plan. God loved them so much he started bringing his plan together to bring the light back to the earth 
God started speaking to his prophets in the Old Testament about how light would come again to the earth. And do you know there's about 300 prophetic words, ancient prophecies in the Old Testament that point to the coming of a king, point to the coming of Jesus, where the light would come again and humanity would be saved. Here's one prophecy from Isaiah, the book of Isaiah in the Bible, which happened 700 years before the birth of Jesus. It says this in Isaiah 8:11, God's people will go from one place to another. They will be weary and hungry. And because they are hungry, they will rage and curse their king or their premier and their God. They will look to heaven and they will look down at the earth, but wherever they look, there will be trouble and anguish and dark despair, and they will be thrown into darkness. Sounds a lot like 2021. But then it says this, the people walking in darkness have seen a great Light on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And one day, in a little town called Bethlehem, Jesus was born in the dark, and the light returned. Nice timing, guys. The light returned. In the book of John, which is one of the gospel books, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, he tells the story of Jesus' arrival, but he doesn't give us angels. He doesn't give us shepherds. He doesn't give us wise men. He gives us this. The word, which is Jesus, gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light. Say light. Light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. The light arrived. Jesus, born at Christmas to bring God's light to a darkened world. And this is why we celebrate, because Jesus was born a baby, but he didn't stay a baby. And we can't keep worshipping the baby. He grew up to become an adult. And at 30, after he'd done a few years of being a carpenter, he laid down his carpenter's tools and he started full-time work for God, bringing light back to the earth and to everyone he met. One day, when Jesus was going about his business, bringing light to the earth, he stood at the temple and he made a bold declaration. And we can find this declaration in John chapter 8, verse 12. It says this, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Who needs 
a little bit more light in their life today? Come on, who needs a little bit more life in their bones today? Five of us, that's fantastic. Well, I need a little bit more light in my life today. We know that darkness isn't a good thing, is it? There's always movies, good versus evil, dark versus light. We know that darkness isn't a good thing and we know that light is a good thing. But what does it mean that Jesus is the light of the world to me? What does the light of the world mean to me? So we're going to answer that really quickly by looking at three things that happened on the day that Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Three things happened on that day that show us what the light of Jesus does for us as humanity. Does that sound like a good idea? Okay, the first thing that happened on that day, a very, very interesting thing happened, was that there was a woman who was caught in sin. Now, this event immediately happened just before Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Just before, there's this kerfuffle where a woman is thrown at the feet of Jesus by some religious Jewish leaders. They wanted her to be punished by Jesus because she was caught doing some bad things. And these religious men pulled her out in front of everybody and said, here she is, Jesus. She was doing a bad thing. You should punish her. Because in the law, it says that a woman doing this thing deserves death. What are you going to do about it, Jesus? They were testing him. But you know what happens? Jesus, he doesn't say anything. The Bible says that he just bent down and he started drawing in the sand. Now some scholars and theologians say that maybe Jesus was writing in the sand the sins that the religious men had done and he was scrolling them in the sand. Others say that Jesus was writing the Ten Commandments in the sand because the religious men say that they followed the law of Moses. Anybody in the room broken one of the Ten Commandments ever? Thou shalt not murder. Well, that's a pretty good one to not break. <laughs> Thou shalt not steal. Anybody got an Oasis pen in their handbag or in their car? <laughs> it's all right. It's a present. Merry Christmas. You can have it. Anyone ever lied before? Even a little tiny white lie to protect yourself. You've broken one of the Ten Commandments. Anybody coveted their neighbor's sweet car? We've got a hand over there. Jesus is just kneeling down, drawing in the sand. And then he stands up and he says, Anybody here who has sinned, who hasn't sinned, can condemn this woman? And slowly we know the story that the crowds dispersed. No one could stand there and say that they hadn't sinned, that there wasn't darkness on the inside of them. 
Interestingly, in this story, both the woman and the religious men had darkness on the inside of them. The woman's was just overt and obvious and everybody knew about it. But the religious men, well, they looked perfect on the outside, but on the inside, they had as much darkness as the woman had. And you know, Jesus, the only perfect person standing at the scene who had never sinned, who had the right to judge this woman, he offered her kindness and he offered her grace and he offered her light. And he said, don't let the darkness rule you anymore, daughter of mine. Go and be in the light. And my first point about what the light does for us today, the light of Jesus is this. The light pushes out the darkness from our lives, from the inside of us, and it forms us into whole people and free people. Does that not sound good to you tonight, that that's what the light does in our lives? The second thing that happened, that's four, the second thing that happened on that day that Jesus said, I am the light, was that he was actually at a big party. The big party had just finished. Every year, the um, Jewish people, God's people, they had a big seven-day-long party called the Feast of Tabernacles. And at the Feast of Tabernacles, they would party hard for seven days. They would eat, they would drink apple juice, and they would party. They'd build little huts for themselves to live in because they were remembering and they were celebrating the time that God delivered their ancestors from Egypt. Do you remember that story about Pharaoh and Moses? And Moses was saying, let my people go. And Pharaoh was like, no, I will not. And then the plagues came. And then God delivered the people through the sea. The sea parted. And the people came out into the wilderness and they would have gone straight through. But somebody in the room gave a bad report. And I want to say, be careful of those bad reports because they could cost you 40 years. But what happened was that 40 years, God led the people in the wilderness. Are you ready, guys? We've got a cue here. By pillars of fire... And a cloud of smoke might come in a minute. We found out it's a bit delayed. (laughs) So they're celebrating the fact that God saved their ancestors. He delivered their ancestors. And on the eighth day, Jesus is in the temple and he's overlooking the scenario. Now, what happens in the temple or at night time, to celebrate is called the great illumination of the temple. And they've got these four massive candelabras. There's four of them and they're 22 metres high. This roof is seven metres. If you times this roof by three, that gives you 21. We're close, we're close. These four candelabras in the court of the women were 22 metres high and they would light them every night to remind them that God is light and that he leads them by light. And so the next day, Jesus is standing there looking at these enormous candelabras and they're, they're so bright and they're so light that it says they lit up the whole city. 
And he's standing there and he's looking over the candelabras. And that's when he says, I am the light of the world. The light that you see at night from those candelabras, I am that light. The light that led you through the wilderness, the pillar of fire, the cloud of smoke, I am that light. I am that light and I will continue to lead you by my light. I will continue to take you out of the wilderness and into the promised land every day of your life again and again and again and again because I am your light and I'm going to lead you and I'm going to guide you and I'm going to make a way for you even where there's no way. Even when you feel like, will COVID ever end? Jesus says, I will make a way for you because I am the light of the world. And in the same way that he led Egypt out of slavery, he's going to lead you out too. So my second point about the light tonight and why Jesus' light is so important for us is this. The light will guide you. It will make a way for you into promise and into freedom, even where there seems like no way. Come on, who knows tonight that God can make a way where there doesn't seem to be a way? Who knows that God can lead you out of the hardest, darkest situation and circumstance in your life? Come on, I know you've got masks on, but who knows that tonight? Yes, the kids know it. Come on, okay, we can put down the flames of glory. Okay, the third thing that happens on that day is that a blind man is healed. So straight after Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he goes on and he heals a blind man. Actually, the man had been blind since birth. And he heals him in a fairly unique manner. He spits. I'm not going to spit, don't worry. And uh, rubs his spit in the dirt. Yui, do you want to come here? No, I'm kidding. And then he uh, rubs the mud into the man's eyes. And he says, okay, go and have a bath in the river and wash your eyes and then the man came out seeing. He came out seeing. Eliza, could you come up here for a moment? Where are are you? I've just got, just come up this way, love. This is my third daughter. Come on up, Eliza. I've just asked her to to help me here with my blindfold because the blind man, could you just pop that? If you hold on to the front and I'll, okay, there we go. Okay, okay. This is from the crown. I didn't steal it, everybody. They give it to you if you stay at the towers. Okay, come, come here, Eliza. Okay, so, um, all right, Eliza. Can you just go back to Dad, please? Okay, getting very close to the edge. Okay, all right. See, sometimes you can't find your way to your father when you're blind. And the religious leaders actually appear in this story too because they hear about the healing of the blind man and they're very interested and they're very curious and they decide to go and interview the blind man. So they find him and they're pestering him, they're questioning him. It says that they interviewed him twice. How did this happen? Why did this happen? And and they couldn't figure it out. What they couldn't figure out is that Jesus would heal a blind man on the Sabbath. That was their big stumbling block. Someone from God couldn't do it on the Sabbath because that would be evil. And so Jesus 
says this very interesting thing to the religious leaders. He says to them that you are blind even though you have eyes because the light is standing right in front of you and you can't see it. You can't see it. So the religious leaders had a spiritual blindness because they refused to be open to seeing things in a different way. Her eyes were opened and she could run to the Father. So spiritual blindness... Oh, yes, well done. Spiritual blindness is a problem when we refuse to be open to seeing Jesus in a different way. So my third point about why the light why the light of Jesus is so important for us at Christmas time is this that the light overcomes the darkness of sin it overcomes confusion and it overcomes spiritual blindness and it gives vision for a new life come on vision for a new life can i invite the worship team back up tonight our three points about the light I'm wondering if you need this, if you need some more light in your life tonight. The first point, the light pushes out darkness on the inside of us and it forms us into whole free people. We need that light every day. That light just doesn't come once and push out the darkness. We're on a road to becoming whole and free every day of our life. So we always have great need for light. The second point was that the light guides us like our beautiful flames it guides us and it makes a way for us to to step into promise and to step into freedom even when it doesn't seem like there is a way and the third point from tonight about the light was that the light overcomes the darkness of sin it overcomes confusion and spiritual blindness and it gives you vision for a new life Vision for a new life. It opens your eyes to new things. And so, light, it came at Christmas time, but that same light keeps coming for us day after day, after moment, after moment, after moment, because he's committed to us and he loves us and he moved heaven and earth to give us a son who would bring us back into the light. In John verse, chapter 12 and verse 46, Jesus said this, I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. So we need to put our trust in Jesus and receive his light. Amen.